Let's just take a moment to still ourselves. Lord, I pray that you will be in my words and in our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, when uh, Lee was um, speaking to you about St. Giles as a church that invests in its children and young people, um, I had the pleasure, um, rather rare for me because I'm normally uh, in here with all of you, uh, but I had the pleasure of swapping places with Ellen on uh, that Sunday. So Ellen was, uh, if you remember here, leading the service with Lee, talking about um, how, we, uh, how we nurture our young people uh, here at St. Giles and, and how you in your families do that too. Um, and so I was covering for her uh, in junior church. And um, I'm sure... Um, many of you are familiar with what goes on in junior church. Um, your children or grandchildren will come back and, and tell you what, they, what they've been up to. But for those of you who don't know, um, there's uh, always a time of worship. Um, there's always a time of prayer. Um, there's what Ellen has um, rather uh, fantastically called uh, discovery, um, which um, rather than being Bible study sounds rather more interesting than that, does it? Discovering what's, uh, what's in a particular passage of the Bible, uh, hearing it and discussing it uh, and really engaging with it, wrestling with it. Um, and then there's some good active stuff uh, as well, so that the children come back nicely tired for all of you, so maybe you get a bit of rest as well. Um, and then um, the other thing that we, uh, that we have, um, and which um, I particularly uh, engaged with, I guess, perhaps um, that Sunday, um, was a session of creativity, either craft or building something, making something, um, doing something creative. Um, and um, this Sunday, a couple of weeks ago, um, each um, of the groups of children um, that went to, um, to, the, uh, to do the activity um, was... Uh, split into two teams. Uh, and uh, they had a task to fulfill uh, in those two teams, uh, a, bit of a, a bit of a competition going on against each other. Um, and um, they had to build the strongest possible um, bridge out of newspaper between two tables that were set about this far uh, apart. Um, and they made some great constructions, really, really good thinking going on. You have some engineers uh, in your midst uh, about so high. Um, and the purpose of this activity was to um, illustrate the way in which uh, Jesus is like a bridge between all of us uh, and God, our Heavenly Father. God uh, always makes the first move towards us, uh, of course. Um, but it's the person of Jesus that, that makes it possible for us to uh, respond to God's outstretched hands. He's the bridge, like the ones uh, that the children created, who makes it possible for, uh, for all of humanity to, to, to get back into right relationship with God. However, I reflected as I uh, was preparing the, this sermon earlier on uh, this week that the children could equally um, have built this bridge um, to, uh, to reflect what God calls us to do uh, collectively as a church and also as individuals um, in relation to um, the world around us. We're called, as uh, the St. Giles value that I'm looking at uh, today declares, uh, to be a church that builds bridges 
and makes the most of every opportunity. As part of um, our St. Giles vision to be a community of disciples uh, seeking to witness to Jesus and serve him in West Bridgeford and beyond. Um, this is the, uh, the last, but certainly not um, the least of our church values that we're going to be um, looking at in our uh, Sunday sermons, and then uh, for those of you who are part of our home groups, um, looking at in the week following. To be a church that builds bridges and makes the most of every opportunity. What do we mean by this? Building bridges um, to where or linking us to whom? What constitutes uh, an opportunity that we're to make the most of? Why is this statement one of our core values here at St Giles? And maybe what does putting this into practice look like for each one of us individually and us collectively as a church? Let's turn to today's Bible reading to start to unpack this a bit more. Paul is writing to um, the uh, fledgling Christian community in Corinth um, in order to address uh, a number of issues that uh, have been brought to his attention about uh, the behaviour of some members of that, uh, that new church. And in, uh, in this, the first uh, letter to the Corinthians, uh, Paul emphasises, um, just before our reading in fact, um, that uh, his passion for the gospel leads him to be compelled to preach to others about the salvation for, for all that lies in Jesus. But then uh, Paul, um, which is uh, remarkable, I think, for a man who had been such a, um, a devout uh, Jew, uh, but who then rejected the, um, the legalistic form of Judaism that, um, uh, that he'd been following uh, through his conversion to, to following Jesus. Paul uh, sets out the uh, enormous lengths to which he'll go so that the gospel is proclaimed to as many people as possible, as many different people as possible, in order that they might hear it and be saved. Paul sees that the way in which he can make the message of the gospel relevant to people's lives is through adapting how he speaks about Jesus to these people to um, the Jews, to the Gentiles, to the, to the weak, as he, as he says, whoever it may be, to ways in which they will best be able to relate to him and therefore to the gospel message itself. There's no question at all that Paul is going to be um, in some way compromising um, the gospel by communicating to them in this way. The core of his message of salvation through Jesus remains the same, regardless of the audience uh, with whom he's speaking, with whom he's engaging, with whom he's discussing, um, to whom he's writing in this case. But Paul, um, if you like, flexes the manner in which he addresses um, the Corinthians as opposed to, um, to the content in order that he might receive a better response from his hearers. 
His purpose, above all, is to give his listeners the best possible chance that they can have to understand the message of the gospel as being relevant to their existence. And that they'll therefore um, have the best chance of welcoming Jesus into their lives as their Lord and Saviour. As our church family here at St Giles, we too are called to follow Paul's example in this way. It's um, not enough for us just to, uh, if you like, um, sit here as church and expect um, somehow uh, that people will understand um, what it is that we believe as disciples of Jesus and then themselves choose to believe and, and follow him. Like uh, the junior church children with their, with their newspaper constructions, um, we are called to be bridges into our local community in order that uh, the people there may better understand the message of the gospel. And I think there are, there are three key purposes in doing this. Firstly, we are to love and to serve those around us, just as Jesus did throughout his life with those whom he encountered. We're to be Christ himself to those people through our actions, through our engagement with them. Secondly, we're to do this to be able to witness more clearly in words as well as in actions to the central message of the gospel, of God's loving self-sacrifice in the person of Jesus that we and the whole of creation may be reunited with our Heavenly Father. And thirdly, we're to do this um, explicitly and we're to do it unashamedly so that people may be brought into relationship with Jesus. I don't think it's, uh, it's uh, realistic any longer to, um, to expect um, people to... Um, automatically wander through our door, um, however lovely and new and shiny they may be, um, to do that of uh, their own accord. People don't have um, a level of, um, of basic knowledge of the Christian faith that perhaps in generations past um, they did do. They won't um, necessarily spontaneously engage with us uh, in discussion about Jesus with some prior knowledge of, of, of who Jesus is and what that means for, uh, what he means for their lives. Um, although maybe, um, given that we now um, enable them to, to see into church, maybe they'll see something of what's going on and be intrigued by that. I don't know. Um, let's see what happens. It may be that some encounters will incur in this way. Some encounters between us and our neighbours. Some encounters between them and God may happen in this way. But I really believe that it's through creatively building bridges out into our community, meeting people much more on their own terms, the same sort of way that Paul is talking about in his letter to the Christians of Corinth. That's where um, people may be more comfortable to engage with us um, in conversations about faith. And that's where we're able to witness more effectively 
for the kingdom. We need to uh, avoid any temptation to be a, a, a holy huddle that just looks inwards all the time. It's great to support each other as church family, to stand alongside each other, to encourage each other, to celebrate uh, our joys and to be, uh, to be with each other in our tougher times. But we must avoid constantly doing that rather than following God's call on us to look outwards to engage with the world beyond our walls. If you'll um, forgive me a moment for using a a slightly um, technical theological expression from one of my um, favourite theologians, um, Bishop Leslie Newbegin. Um, He he said, um, famously in theological circles, um, the church is the hermeneutic of the gospel. That means um, that for people who want to know what the good news of Jesus looks like, the way in which they see that is by looking at us, looking at the church, and seeing how we live out our faith in our daily lives, how they see church being followers of Jesus. That's what being a hermeneutic of the gospel means how much we show Jesus' love and grace in our engagement with the rest of the world, with the world around us. Without wishing to um, give ourselves a a bit of of a pat on the back, I think um, we're doing many good things already here in St. Giles uh, in this way. Um, all the, the fantastic work that, that Ellen is doing um, with, uh, with Tiddlers and Messy Church and all of her team uh, working alongside her as well, serving alongside her. Um, they're providing a fantastic resource for, um, for, for tiny ones to, to come, uh, for their parents, their carers, their grandparents maybe, to, to come and, and be part of a, a, a community there, to be part of a, of a, of a safe place, a, a trusted environment, to have a bit of a break maybe, to have a chat to support each other. And that's the sort of place where um, conversations about uh, about faith naturally um, bubble up. Correspondingly, um, the the seniors' coffee mornings um, that they have every month at Bradmore, the the other socials that they have, um, the studies um, that they join in together, like the the four favourite hymns group that met um, last autumn, uh, those give us opportunities to, uh, to enjoy fellowship, which is uh, often so important for older members of, uh, of our community, and to share some stories about our faith, about the gospel. But our God is always a God who continually calls us out and calls us on. He's a God of, uh, of change, of good and positive change, not of of inertia or stagnation. And I believe he's calling us to to use our blessings and our resources uh, that we enjoy here at St. Giles, um, that we are so blessed with, to use those in creative ways to to engage differently and imaginatively with West Bridgeford and uh, and beyond, as as our vision statement says. 
touching on uh, some of what Bishop Paul shared uh, earlier in the month when uh, he came to, to preach here about what being a resource church means. Um, we're already sharing um, some of what we've been blessed with um, across our community. Um, the joint youth group that we have with um, St. Luke's, uh, linking together with um, churches of all denominations uh, in the churches together uh, in West Bridgeford group. Um, ministering uh, more effectively to our town by linking, uh, linking up with each other, uh, by complementing what we do, by sharing ideas, by um, supporting each other in prayer. There's also um, the support that some members of our congregation are, uh, are giving to St. Saviour's over in the Meadows. Um, it's great to be engaged with um, the community there. And some of us, uh, too, are, um, are reasonably frequent uh, attendees at the, uh, the Nottingham City Prayer Network gatherings, um, where now I'm pushing 100 people, both, um, both ordained and lay people, uh, gather every month to join together in prayer for our city of Nottingham. For those of you who want to do that, come and speak to me afterwards and I'll happily pass on details. It's a, it's a really wonderful gathering in, in prayer of, of, of a huge number of, uh, of, of different churches of different backgrounds. A fantastic um, last uh, meeting that we had was in um, one of the black Pentecostal churches in the city. Um, and uh, I don't think so much noise has been made at that hour of the morning in that part of town for quite a long time. Um, a brilliant service, fantastic gathering together. Uh, and, and praying for our city, blessing our city together. And of course, um, there are other things that we do, um, much, uh, much of it considerably further afield, um, supporting our St. Giles mission partners uh, in the areas of social justice that we are passionate about. So this is um, some of what we're already doing to build these godly bridges um, with others in which we're all, um, in which we're all um, either individually or uh, collectively already involved. But uh, I'd like to uh, make a, a plea to each of you to, to please uh, continue to pray about uh, how God is calling each one of you, each or all of us, um, to make more connections for his kingdom with those around you. Perhaps that's through um, conversations uh, for those of you who are, are parents at, at school gates, um, maybe with colleagues at work, maybe with um, your neighbours. Um, perhaps especially um, for, uh, for the women amongst you, um, maybe that's uh, stepping out and inviting a, a friend um, who's not a, a regular churchgoer to, to come along to, uh, to the women's breakfast in a couple of weekends' time. It would be a fantastic opportunity to, um, to show, um, uh, show your friends uh, that, that hermeneutic of the gospel, uh, what we look like uh, as church, how we reflect um, Christ as church. When we um, reflect on uh, God's call on us uh, to step out in this way, um, I think that the, uh, the parable of the lost sheep in, in Matthew 18 um, is also particularly pertinent. Um, when we're thinking uh, about this, uh, this idea of, uh, of making the most of every opportunity, 
that story of, of the shepherd with, uh, with the 99 uh, sheep safely uh, kept um, uh, and, and kept under watch by him and going out and looking for the one. I think that uh, that message is one uh, that can challenge us greatly in this area, this, this making of every opportunity. The core understanding of, of, this, uh, of this particular parable, of course, is, is of God's unstinting efforts to, uh, to bring uh, even uh, one of his flock back to safety, back to relationship with him, of how much rejoicing there is um, when uh, the one that was lost is found and recovered once again. But I think it's also uh, reasonable as well to see this parable as an image of what uh, God may ask of us. It's perhaps uh, a challenge to each of us in our understanding of what um, St. Giles uh, making the most of every opportunity might mean. Yes, we're to be wise in uh, stewarding our, uh, our church's resources, in uh, stewarding our money, in looking after our, our time, in, in every good thing that we have uh, as St. Giles. But we're also challenged um, to give our all in the way that the shepherd does, risking all to bring that one person into relationship with God once again to be sacrificial even in how much we commit of ourselves, how much we commit of our time, of uh, our possessions even, in order to go after that one individual and bring them into relationship with Jesus. The American missionary and evangelist uh, Heidi Baker um, writes very movingly of uh, her story in Mozambique and how um, her and her husband's um, development of a whole mission serving many thousands of, uh, of children um, orphaned or, or maimed or left destitute um, by the civil war in that country, how her, um, her mission, their mission there, um, was inspired by her passion for caring for the one caring for just one individual and then that one became two and then three and then four and then hundreds and then the thousands that that uh, mission now cares for in fact her her missionary organisation is even called Stop for the One That's what matters to her, seeing that one individual made in God's image in front of her and bringing them into wholeness and reconciliation with God again, physically, mentally and spiritually in their cases. But Heidi Baker writes, we must first stop for God before we can stop for the one in front of us. When we are full of God's love and presence, we are able to pour his love onto others. When we are full of God's love and presence, we are able 
to pour his love onto others. If we are to build these bridges for the kingdom, and if we're to make the most of all the opportunities that God places before us as a church family here at St. Giles, we must start um, and indeed end in prayer. Coming before God, listening to God, waiting on him, crying out to him. So before we respond in worship and we share communion together as a family, let's do precisely that now and join together in prayer. Lord, we pray that you will give us wisdom, you will give us courage, and you will give us creativity as we seek to build bridges with organisations and individuals with whom we come into contact as our family at St Giles. Guide our conversations. Be in our thoughts and our words. And fill our actions with your love and grace and peace as we witness to you before others and seek to bring them back to relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.